podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David! Hagen! How are you doing, my friend? It's been another long break since we podded. The World Cup has come and gone. Messi has ruled the world. Uh, Salt Bay has been cancelled. And, um, yeah, Liverpool have made a signing. It's all happening. It is all happening. And this one very much came out of nowhere, really. It was a a little bit like the the Fabinho deal, Mm. where... By the time the local journalists found out and tweeted about it, the deal was practically done. What were we, an hour, an hour and a half from when yeah, yeah. we tweeted? Absolutely. 100% fab vibes. I think it's it's refreshing that that can happen. But um, I don't think there were... I mean, there's mumblings of some people knew, but nobody really believed it because it's not really a player that I think everybody was overly excited about joining. But um, um, Mo Chatra is asking, was I at the cinema last night? I was watching TV last night. So you can, in the cinema room, so you can class it as watching something when it was all kicking off. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it's another memorable one. Where were you? But I think the big difference was, Dave, we just won a big game. And everybody was busy in the post-match of, um, you know, producing and thingy. I think I read somewhere, which is really interesting, Dave, is that because VVD had those quotes uh, at the end of the game, it pushed everyone to go and release it because the cat was out the bag. Because, you know... A Dutch guy coming, the Dutch, the, the Dutch captain coming out and saying that he knows something probably because it's the guy, who, <laughs> it's the guy who he's probably been he's been convincing over the over the World Cup. You know, you, you're joining Liverpool and that's that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting that a lot, a few people have said that it was it it had to come out as soon as Verge opened his mouth yesterday. And they kind of fast-tracked it then. I mean, the agreement was obviously already done. See, this is the interesting other thing I'm going to talk to you about. And we could probably do this now as a side note. Is that sometimes these deals are done and just waiting to be announced for the right moment, time. You know, and obviously that this is a case in point where because Verge has said something, they're just a oh, fuck it, just get it out now. It's Boxing Day, people are chilling. We've just won. We've just won. Let's because normally it's when it's something bad's happened that they probably want to, or you know, we maybe lost somewhere or something. They're like, "Oh, we got a new signing." Hello, because uh, they could have done it any time between now and um, and and January the first, right? But they chose last night, and I think maybe those verge, maybe those verge um, quotes pushed it on a little bit, which is nice. I I think they were waiting to do it last night anyway. I think they were just oh, waiting right. to get the game out of the way. If you 
check your WhatsApp there for a very brief second. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a Twitter DM on Friday saying to be ready because it yes. was pretty much done. Uh, that was from Moby. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. And then it was confirmed again on Saturday. Now, I asked a few different people if they'd heard and they hadn't heard, but this, the DM I got on Saturday, to give credit again where it's due, was from one Riz Khan. And he said that we had made a move for Gakbo, and it looks like we were, like, lads were getting information, but it was way further on than what they were hearing. Hmm. Um, I would guess they were just waiting for the game to be over. Because they didn't want to distract from the game and they didn't want any players, you know, not being 100% focused. I mean, I'm sure the play, some of the players knew, but not all of them will have known what was going on. Some of the senior players, like the club captain, the vice captain, Virgil, the leadership committee, they likely would have known. But, um, yeah, I mean, for Virgil to come out and say what he did, it made it pretty obvious that there was going to be movement this month. And it mm. is notable that he did say players... Yeah, player. So I do yeah. think we can expect a second one. I'm yeah. a little bit surprised that Gakpo's the, the the one they've gone for, I have to say. I, I'm a little bit surprised. The price actually turns out to be decent though, right? I mean, it's not that £55 million we were talking about on transfer committee. Um, and it's, you know, coming in much less than that for an initial fee of 37 ish Yeah, and I mean, initially it seemed like it was 37 rising to 50 with the add-ons. It's 44, it looks like, yeah. Yeah, I know what Neil Jones last night saying that he felt it was, or he'd been told it was 37 uh, rising to 44 million, which is, let's be fair, that's really good value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Considering Arsenal had a bit of 40 million and 25 million in add-ons turned down for Mikhailo Mudrik, who is very much less proven than Cody Gakpo? It is. Um, it. I think. It, I think it does represent good value because that's the type of fee that you'll be able to turn around and sell him for in twelve months if he just if he's just good and doesn't actually hit the level that we're looking for. Hmm. And you know, United were been strongly linked with him, and all reports were that it was going to be. You know, 45 rising to 55 was the fee that PSV were looking for. And we've gotten them for significantly less. Yeah, I think it makes me think a little bit that they had to go for him now because um, um, Diaz's injury, obviously, it's pretty much out for the season, right? By the time he comes back in March or April time, end of March, 
it's going to take him a month or so to get going again, right? You know? So, I mean, you're talking May return or, or end of mid-April, mid, mid to end April, getting into some kind of form. They just probably didn't want to take that risk. And he's probably come up early as well. So there's probably multiple things that's going on there, which is a shame. But next summer, next year, it means a strong, the, the, the squad's really strong again, you know, it's, it, it, to go on multiple fronts and not worry about the front line. Obviously, the only worry we have is, is the injuries to, to Jota at the moment as well. And he needs to overcome those. So with just Darwin and Mo, we, we needed another day, Dave, definitely. I was there. I mean, that's why we talked about it on the transfer committee as well, because, you know, we were worried about what's going on. <clears throat> at that time, we didn't know. Or did we already know that? That um, the reoccurrence with Diaz had happened. No, I didn't think we no, did. We didn't at that and point, we, no, we, 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 we so, so my thought was already to add a striker in, even though Diaz was coming back. So, I mean, now that Diaz is out for even longer, we, you know, I think it's, I think it's the right move by Liverpool. I think there's something really interesting actually, and we'll, we'll kick off with this because I want to get your thoughts on the player. I know you've watched quite a bit of him, um, but I, I don't know if you read the piece from Neil Jones with. Uh, the tactical coach from uh, what's the company's name called Tactilise. Um Basically, it's with Lauren Vreelink. Have you read that article? If no. not, I'm just going to put it in the chat now for everybody else to to read as well. Uh, basically, I had a read of this. This was really, really good. This was a a really good read and convinced me actually that this is a this is going to be a really good buy. So basically, he's. He's been going to Tactilis for since January 2022, and they've just been providing him with coaching, tactical coaching, just for, you know, mentally, as in making the right decisions during games at the right times. Mm. And, um, you know, his numbers have really increased this, this year, this season. And it's mostly, you know, due to how he's been taking on board the coaching from these guys. And, you know, they don't credit themselves. They just say the player has to be willing to... You know, because what they do is they bring 400 clips of every match to an hour, hour and a half session with the player after the game. And that's the, whether they're traveling on, you know, with the team, whatever, they can do it on their iPad, just put their headphones in and literally just talks them through where they went wrong or what happened or the good bits and the bad bits. They don't give him any stats because they don't want the player to... He's a bas- he's a, the, the, the coach was a basketball player as well. And he goes, look, if I... for example, He gave an example in the article where... If he got one out of seven shots and his coach starts telling him about this, then he's going to continue to keep shooting and it becomes a bias in your mind to try and do a certain action. And he goes, we don't tell him any stats. What we do is we look at the stats ourselves and coach them via what they need to do, but without telling them what the numbers are and then go through actual specific examples and 400 clips. And he's just basically what I took out of the article was that Cody is a, a, a sponge, wants to learn really wants to yeah commit like like Ali just said commits committing himself to studying and becoming better and I think the kind of personality that Cody is and has shown or at least that article is showing and evidencing is someone perfect for Jürgen who who really wants players that want to improve and have the capacity to elevate their ceiling so it does give me good hope. Obviously, there's no guarantees, Dave. Me and you know that. No one's a guarantee. But what it does show is that the guy is willing to, to really, you know, go up a level if he wants to. And he's got some really good attributes. Some really good attributes. So, fingers crossed. I, I was like you, uh, a skeptic. But uh, a couple of things I've read, a couple of things, you know, I've seen in this article. 
really, really have um, have changed my mind to 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 be a lot more positive about this signing. And you know, I, I love it that he's working on all the things creativity, for example, as well, massive. They're like his one of the things the coach said about him was one thing I noticed about Cody was his finishing is superb. He can really, so I don't need to work on his finishing. I haven't changed it. I haven't coached him. But creativity, using space, all those things, he goes, that's what we've been working on with him. And, you know, as you can see, this season, he's taken off. His numbers are, are, you know, consistently better. And he goes, consistency is the key. And he's made some really good things, really good points about data, where he said, look, everybody's spending money on collecting data, but not on elevating players using the data and he goes a lot of coaches understand that that's what's the next big thing in football is elevating the players using the data rather than anything else and it's all in your head and um you know it's it's developing those players so i think him going out and getting his own personal coach you know is a it shows you something that you've got to be open to that so from my point of view that's that's what i think from your point of view, what have you seen so far? Notwithstanding that, obviously, he's trying to improve and do better. But what are, what are the strengths you see? What are the weaknesses you see? You know, why were you not as, um, you know, excited to see him from what you've seen? Forget all this now, what I've said. Obviously, that's very positive. But it's it's good to understand both sides of the... the no, the, it is. And, and I mean, that type of thing, that willingness to put in extra work outside of what he's doing with his own club is... It's hugely important, and it's it's you know we we see Salah puts in an awful lot of work on himself physically, but we don't know what else a lot of our players do. We we have players who might do similar things with with similar companies because we have a bunch of players who are committed to being the very best version of themselves, and for him to be going and doing this off his own back and out of his own pocket is is very very promising. And it is something that you'd have to happily get on board with. So, in terms of Gakbo himself, like last last season he had a really good year. And he scores 21 goals with 15 assists in about 3,500 minutes. He scores in all three European competitions, Champions League qualifiers, Europa League, and then Conference League when PSV dropped into that. This season he's got 13 goals and 17 assists in about 2,000 minutes. So you can see his numbers are scaling upwards. And obviously he had a pretty good World Cup. He's had a really good year with the Dutch international team. Um, He scored five goals for them in ten appearances, having only made four appearances and scored one goal prior to this year. And he's made himself a first-choice starter, like an undeniable first-choice starter for them. My thing with Gakpo is when I watched him, I always thought, He's a less talented Marcus Rashford. He has a similar type of game to Rashford, but he doesn't have Rashford's ability 1v1, and he doesn't have Rashford's pace. He doesn't have that explosiveness that Marcus Rashford has. So, as is the way, I decided last night to go down a bit of a a wormhole on my scout and look at as much as I could and, you know, clips and different things and, you know, certain specific aspects of his game. And I have to say, the more I watched, the more I got on board with the idea of signing him. Now, I still think there's limitations in his game. I still think that lack of explosiveness, that lack of a really quick first step and 
an inability to beat defenders from a standing start can be a bit problematic at times. And I do think he lacks a little bit of creativity in open play. But when you watch certain things like how quick his feet are to move the ball, how good his close control is in tight spaces. Remember, this guy is six foot four. He's not your normal winger slash wide forward. They're normally short, quick lads. This guy's a giant. He's six four. He's Virgil's height. And he's got a really good ability to keep the ball in confined spaces. He can shift it onto both feet. He can go either side, beat when he, when he's in the flow, when he's actually moving, he is quite good at shifting the ball and beating a defender. And he can go to either side on his right foot or his left foot, which is impressive. And you don't see all that often that players are so comfortable going either side. Like he's comfortable to go outside the defender and fire a shot with his left foot or cut inside and then things open up a bit more for him. What really stands out to me is how he strikes the ball, though, Gags. Like, there's times you watch players... Very clean. Very clean. It's it's a gorgeous striking motion, though. And it's a really smooth, natural, repeated striking motion. Every time he shoots, it's the exact same motion. And what he can do really well is he can shoot in stride. You watch him run with the ball and shoot on the run... There's no hesitation. There's no resetting of his steps. You, you'll often watch a player running full speed. And as they go to strike the ball, they have to take like a shortened step to then open up their strike step. He never has to do that. Ever. His strike is always in stride. And for a tall player, he doesn't have a long striking motion. He generates immense amounts of power with little to no back pull. Like, he just puts his foot through the ball. And again, it's a short follow-through when he's shooting. But then you watch him take set pieces. Watch him take a corner or a free kick. And watch how natural and how easy the striking motion is. And there's a long follow-through. It's Again, it's a very, very smooth, very repetitive motion. It's it's the same strike every time. When he takes a corner, it looks like he's just flicking the ball into the box. But every time he's getting good height, good purchase, a good amount of dip on it, and he's putting it in dangerous areas, he doesn't seem to take many that get cut out at the near post, for example. He seems, seems to be able to get really good loft and purchase on a ball. It's It's like watching a golfer. He's got these two striking motions, one when he shoots and one when he crosses. And they're quite different, but they're both really smooth. They're both really natural. They're both really repetitive. They're both really consistent. And that type of technical level, that type of high technical level, that's really impressive. Now, I don't know what his position is, is the, is the thing of it. I don't think he's a winger. I know he's mostly played as a wide forward winger. I think he might be a second striker. If you look at the average positions of Liverpool players, even in just yesterday's game, for example, it's a 4-4-2. It just is a 4-4-2. 
I'll send it on to you now, actually. And this is the same type of thing we see in most games, where mm. this is the shape that Liverpool plays. I'm sending this to you now. Mm-hmm. You open your WhatsApp, you'll see where Henderson and Oxlade-Chamberlain are playing. Yeah, It's pretty much the same position, just on the opposite sides. It's Fabinho and it's Thiago as a double pivot, and then Mo is playing off Darwin. And I wonder if that position Mo plays, if that's where we have ideas of Gakpo being used long-term, not obviously in the short-term, but he can play up front, he can play from the left, he can play from the right. Mm. I think this, in a front two, as the one-off, I think this might be his best role. Because he's not the most creative player, but he is a clever passer of the ball. He does make good decisions. He does have an ability to run off in behind and get on the end of things. And I wonder if Darwin and Mo, Jota and Gakpo, is the idea. Like, we have the two starters, the two squad lads, but the two squad lads can also play wide if we change shape. We have been playing 4-3-3, or 4-4-2, pretty much for the last year and a half. Whether it's Henderson or Elliot, they've both been playing that right-sided midfield role, more as a right winger sometimes tucked in, but oftentimes very wide. And the left winger does play noticeably deeper than what Mo does, and Mo tends to play quite narrow now. So I could see him playing off Darwin. I could see him playing off Shota. I could even see him playing off Mo and being really effective. There's parts of his game that remind me quite a bit of Alexander Isak, who's at Newcastle now. They're about the same age, but they have that same tall, rangy, very upright stance. You know, they play to their height. You often get big, tall lads who don't play the height. These two do. And they're both exceptionally good dribblers. And he's a very good dribbler. But he's a good dribbler in movement. He's not a good dribbler because of his lack of kind of an explosive first step. He's not a great dribbler from a standing start. But if he picks the ball up when he's moving... He's very, very difficult for defenders to tackle. I think one thing that you'd also love is going by your Twitter name. He seems very, very two-footed. And uh, that's that's one of the things when I was watching those YouTube clips. And no, you don't judge anyone off YouTube clips. But, but seriously, you watch him and he's creating with both feet, crossing with both feet, shooting with both feet. Like you said, the fluid motion, it's so comfortable. And what I like about it is that when he's down that left side, I don't know if he's going to play there, but from what I was watching, he was playing down the left side, sorry, a lot. He's going, He's going. even though he's right-footed, because when he takes his penalties, it's, they're all right-footed. <clears throat> when he when he's trying to you know go one on one against a defender, he's he's happy to cut in or go around the outside, and then cross it beautifully with his left foot. So I'm just like, well, that's something that Diaz does definitely doesn't like to do. He can go around the outside, but he always prefers to to go cut inside, right? So it gives you that little bit of flexibility where you're playing left or right. You can shoot with either foot. It makes it it makes it even more valuable kind of asset in your team right mm. when you're two-footed like that and crossing 
like you said, making that decision at the right time, not hesitating to cross with your left foot, it's going to be so valuable when someone like Nunes is in the middle. If if we go to a four-two-four in certain games with Mo and Darwin through the middle and Gakpo left wing, it wouldn't surprise me if Diaz played right wing and was just instructed to go around defenders on the outside and get crosses in. Because Diaz isn't comfortable on his left foot. It's very much just for standing. Diaz is very one foot, <laughs> very one-sided. Yeah, absolutely. So what myself and Sam Maguire both highlighted before we signed him, he is very one-footed. Gakpo's more than comfortable to go on, on the outside. And the thing with Gakpo, he's not the strongest player. Like, he, he doesn't have... A great set, like a great center of balance in terms of being able to just put his arse into players. But he does have a big frame and he does know how to use it. So if he gets between defender and ball, it's very hard for that defender to get round him because he's a very big individual. And if he adds 10, 15 pounds of muscle over the next two years, this boy could be a monster, an absolute monster. That nobody's going to enjoy dealing with and you know he is he is only 23 he'll turn 24 just before the end of this this season so he is going to start maturing and growing into his body a bit more and i do think i can see more and more i can see the logic in why we've gone for this deal completely agree it just there's is there a flexibility about this player there seems to be that adds a lot more to the squad up top uh, right now, especially with all the injuries. And I think that's the key. A cheap deal at a time when you really need somebody to come in. It just ticks all the boxes, Dave. It does. It does. You know, it probably doesn't make sense to go and spend 70, 80 million on someone right now um, that can come in and maybe make a difference. But this guy could probably just help us, you know, uh, get into that top four, you know, give, give Real Madrid a fight. You know, it's it's the, those are the two key things that we need to aim for right now, and I think that's what we need to do. Uh, Diaz not coming back before, hundred percent before the um, Real Madrid game, and neither is Jota, to be honest. So we're gonna, you know, we do need, and I mean, Firmino will be. So having Firmino in there will allow us to, if he comes back soon, allows us to rotate a little bit up top and get that one player fresh, and that's all we need. That's all we need is to keep getting that one player, keep that one player fresh every game and, and rotate smartly. So once Bobby's back, that's going to allow us to do that and we get that fourth again. But having being without Jota and Diaz right now would have really started to hurt our squad once we got into those two games a week again. you know. And it's going to happen because it's going to be a condensed season unless we go out of the Champions League. Then it won't be. I don't think we're going to focus on the FA Cup either, to be honest. No, neither do I. I think it'll be very much a youth team for the yeah. FA Cup. And it should be a youth team for the FA Cup. I mean, we should just bin that off and focus on the two main competitions. But, you know, like he, he'll give us a different outlook as well. I mean, if you play him and Darwin up front, that's two big lads up front. And despite the fact that both of them are better on the floor than in the air, they're both strong in the air. And it does give you the option, and we've got very accurate long passers in defence in Trent and Virgil. It does give you that option to just go that little bit longer and change things up. And especially against a defence like Real Madrid, where, you know, Carvio's not the tallest, Alaba's not the tallest, Rudiger's 
probably the tallest defender they have, and he can be a bit wild in the air. You know, it, we we always call Darwin like a chaos merchant. That's what Darwin brings is this this chaos where Akpo brings like a calmness and a thoughtfulness to pretty much everything he does. Like you watch him receive the ball, and you can almost see him scanning his options and seeing what what's on what what are my options here do i give it do i go do i take this man on do i cross it do i look to pass back and i think he's going to add something different to the front line that we don't have which is that bobby's probably the closest to it where he does seem to survey his options before he makes a decision on what to do mo will often attack and then consider his options while moving because Mo's a very special player. Darwin, I think, just makes a decision and goes without really considering what's going on. Jota, I think, is quite an instinctive player. But I think Gakpo might be one who just brings a new level of intelligence, footballing intelligence, like footballing IQ, to this front line. And it could just be a really interesting combination and you know like clash of differences between him and darwin that could really sink quite well the more i thought about it last night the more i watched the more i spoke to a few different people the more i got on board with this idea i understand people are like number one he's another left-sided right-footed left-sided forward we have jota we have diaz we have darwin who can play there as well why not go for, you know, maybe a left-footed, right-sided player more similar to Mo? I understand people looking at it and thinking, well, he's he's coming from the Eredivisie. It's, it's very difficult to predict how players translate what they're doing there to the Premier League. We've seen a number of high-profile players come across and not live up to the numbers they were putting up in the Eredivisie. But... I mean, the two guys that have been putting up numbers that are even comparable to Cody Gakbo over in terms of goals and assists per 90 over the last 20 years, one is Ruud van Nistelrooy and the other is Luis Suarez. And the rest, as good as Memphis was, he wasn't hitting these type of numbers. As good as Daniel Malin and Alfonso Alves and a whole bunch of other players did in the Eredivisie, they weren't putting up the type of numbers per 90 that this lad is putting up. I mean, you know. I think again, it's about attitudes about as well, dude. Party. I think, it's, I think it's, it's about attitudes as well. Like, this guy is showing already that it's, he's not got that um, superstar, I want to me, me, me type of nature. Some of those mm. players you mentioned come off as, you know, come across as, as, as that, you know. Yeah, they come across yeah. as arrogant. And there is yeah. a a long-held stereotype that Dutch players have an arrogance about them. And it was most famously noted with the likes of Cruyff and his Ajax team. There was an arrogance to them. Uh, it was noted around the likes of Edgar Davids. But they deserved team. to have the arrogance, mate. Of course they did. Of course they did. But They were brilliant. <laughs> but some of them had it. Like Patrick Clivert had it at 18 before he even scored the Champions League final winning goal. And it sort of scuppered his career because when he scored that goal, it kind of fed more into the arrogance. 
And then as he moved on through his career, he was never quite able to live up to his own standard for himself. And it hurt his career quite a bit. Whereas with Gakpo, uh, he, he does seem like he's quite humble. He seems like he's quite um, to earth. And like you said, you, you mentioned he's, he's working with this, this company. That's completely off his own back. What you do know about him, because he's come through the PSV Academy, and when somebody comes through either the PSV Academy or the IX Academy, you know that from a technical level, they're going to be really well-schooled. Those are academies that focus a lot on the technical side of things. And one of the reasons they often fail is because when they leave, they don't adapt to the physical level. Like They don't have that physical strength to to deal with the the Bundesliga or the Premier League and they often find themselves just overmatched against you know bigger stronger players like I said this guy's six foot four and while he doesn't have a great core strength yet he knows how to use his body he knows how to put himself between man and ball and I don't think he's going to have the issue of being bundled over too often I think he's going to be able to use it. And once he adds a bit more strength, once he puts on a bit more muscle, he could be quite a quite a big unit. Like, we, when we did the transfer committee pod, two of the players we said to sign were Marcus Turam and Kefren Turam. And a big part of it was their size. And Marcus Turam is 6'4". Now, he's a bigger, stronger 6'4 than Gakpo. But there's a lot of similarities in the areas that they play in. Turam's more explosive, but Gakpo's a more technical player. So while we went for Turam, and we we did sort of rule out Gakpo because the asking price at the time was $55 I do think we were looking in the right right area for what the club were looking for. A player that can play centre or left, a player that does have an, an added bit of height, that can be an aerial threat, who can be direct, but Gakbo can also drop out and be involved in the link play. And I saw some people, there's some, some numbers floating around yesterday uh, with regards to his numbers against quality opposition. And one of the things people seem to be a little bit concerned about were his um, creative numbers against strong opponents. So um, he's... Over the last two seasons, he's 0.42 goals per game against strong opponents, 0.68 against all opponents. Uh, His XG is 0.35 against strong opponents, 0.52 against all opponents. So he is overperforming his XG. Uh, In terms of assists, he's 0.33 against strong opponents, but only 0.21 XG. G assisted against those stronger opponents. Shot creating actions, 4.15 against strong opponents, which is pretty good, is above average. But uh, 1.74 from open play, which is below average. Now, these numbers do compare him to wingers and attacking midfielders. Again, like I said earlier, I think he's sort of a second striker. I don't think he's really an attacking midfielder or a winger. I think he's a He's quite a unique profile, but his his dead ball creativity numbers, 1.25 per game 
from dead balls is is above average against strong opponents. One point eight seven against all opponents. His numbers are really strong across the board, with the exception of his open play creativity. And I, I do think that's an area that he can work on and improve. I don't think it's an area that it's... I wouldn't call it a weakness. I would say there's... If you watch, he's often maybe not the passer who creates the chance, but he's the guy that makes the pass before the pass that you know sets up the goal, whatever you want to call it, the hockey assist. I think he's one of those type of link players rather than a final ball player. And again, it's some, when you see how he strikes the ball from set pieces, you can see how well he could adapt that to as a second stripe, striker, even dropping into the, the right-hand side half space and clipping crosses for Darwin and things like that. So, no, the more I watched, the more I, the more I think about it, and the more I, I talk to certain people, including Moby. Um, if you don't know Moby Hawk uh, on Twitter, really good guy really good eye for a player like really really good eye for a player and has just a great knowledge of young players across the world really similar to how i used to be where he you know keeps an eye out for who people are talking about and then once he sees a player's name mentioned a couple of times he jumps on it has a look and just keeps himself some notes on what the player is and how they're developing um but he's does it on a bigger scale than i used to do um, but he's he's been on Gakpo for about three years now, and he's adamant that this kid is is going to be a really good fit, and that's kind of why I went and did a deep dive on him last night, because you know I've seen Moby's give his opinion on players over the last six months or so, and consistently he's he's right about you know pretty much everybody. So yeah, I think I think we've done really well here, and to get him at that price, I know it's not a great measure, but transfer market currently has it valued at sixty million euro, and we're getting for getting him for you know thirty seven million, which is probably forty million euro. Like, it is a really good deal. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Very, very good deal. Yeah, it does sound like... um... <clears throat> a committee signing, which we we know it's not, but it's it's um it's a it looks like it's going to be a good one. So that's but positive. It surprised me if the committee were interested, guys. Remember a couple of things, right? Yes, Pep and Linders made those comments about him, but those comments that Linders made were in discussions about the Dutch national team and how he was the missing link for the national team. He wasn't mm. talking about Liverpool at the time. No. And 
he is a player whose name has been mentioned multiple times over the last couple of years with regards to Liverpool. And he is a player that even before this year, I brought up on the scout on the transfer committee podcast maybe two years ago when we were looking for wide forward options. It might have been even the year we signed Jota as a young talent to keep an eye on. But I mean, I I wouldn't. Well, there was. I would say Linders. I would say Linders is is a big pusher of this deal, but I I wouldn't rule out the fact that the likes of Edwards and Ward had this guy you know, marked down as somebody to keep a very close eye on. I, I think someone put it in, in in Discord I saw somewhere that Barry Hunter was the one who pushed for it as well. So that's that's always a positive sign. So I think it was Grizz actually, tweet from Grizz, but that's been put in Discord. So yeah, I mean, again, if that's the case then that's the scouting team doing the work, which are all part of it as well. That's very interesting. So I mean still either way, whoever's gone for it, I think it looks like a positive sign in. I think um I think it's someone who, who, who may just um may just suit us and and it's gonna come in handy right now. I think it's it's astute is what it is. It's very smart. Cheap cheap signing with a lot of quality, probably has a higher ceiling to get to yet. All of those things are important for, for a Jurgen Klopp team, I think. Because obviously as we've seen, he takes players to another level uh, another level. And um you know he's got his national captain here, so he's got a friend already, and I think he's gonna he'll settle in very very fast, like all the other players. I think that's one of the beautiful things about the club at the moment is that the players aren't dickheads, and I think if if when when a new player was, comes in, they come in and they settle down very fast. I think it was Alex Manfield said this on on Twitter yesterday. I can't remember. He said if you think about it from Gakpo, Gakpo's point of view, if he wants like he's he's. Based on what we know of him, he's going to be a player who's put a lot of thought into what his next move is going to be. Because he's he wants to continue to improve. So it has to be the right move for his own development as a player. And when he's looking at the situation of, do I go to United or do I go to Liverpool? He's going to consider things like those. What are the players who are there like? What's the coaching staff like? What's the environment like? What's the track record of developing players? And he's going to look at Liverpool and he's going to look at Mane and Firmino and Salah and Jota and Diaz and Darwin. And he's going to look at United and he's going to look at Sancho. And he's going to look at Rashford and he's going to look at Martial, players that haven't developed particularly well. And he's going to think... Well, what are the managers like? Which manager do I want to work for? I know Eric Ten Hag. I have a personal relationship with Eric Ten Hag, but what's Jurgen Klopp like? He can ring his international captain in Virgil and get a very honest appraisal because Virgil won't sugarcoat things. And Virgil, as we know, loves Klopp. What's he like to work with day-to-day as an attacking player? Because that's different. Well, he played with... Mario Gotza for a couple of years at PSV. gotza has gone on to Eintracht Frankfurt, but I bet he has his phone number. He's probably rang Gotza as well and gotten an opinion on him. So he's he's been able to tap into finding out is this guy what people say he is? Is he as good as people say he is? What's his track record like with attackers? Well, he can see what he's done at Liverpool. And look at Dortmund with Gotza, with Royce, Aubameyang. 
Lewandowski. And he can see that Klopp has this incredible track record of developing young attackers once they're willing to put in the work. And what we know of him is he's willing to put in the work. He's willing to put in not just the work on the training round, but the work in the classroom as well. Because he goes and he studies the tape. And not just his own tape, but he'll be studying opposition tape as well. I guarantee you, he go, he's the type of player that goes to an analyst at PSV before a game and says, I need clips of their right back. I want to know what he's good at and I want to know what he's weak at. I guarantee you he does that. Because Mo does it for us and Darwin did it at Benfica. Darwin used to go to the analysts at Benfica and ask for footage of the centre-backs he'd be coming up against. What mistakes do they make? And which side do they prefer to turn? And he would adapt as he was going. Mo does the same, and I guarantee you he does that. So I think I can see, I can genuinely see the arguments against him. And I, I can see people being concerned of, oh, we're signing a player off the back of a good World Cup. I don't think we're signing him off the back of a good World Cup. I think we were looking at him strongly before the World Cup. I think he just happened to have a good World Cup. Like, if we were to sign Enzo, I, I don't think we'll sign him in January, but if we sign Enzo, it won't be because of the World Cup. It was, it, it's because of what he'd done beforehand and what we see of him as a player. We're not a reactionary club. We're not a stupid club. We're a little bit chaotic at the moment, a little bit more chaotic than you'd like, but we're a very thoughtful club. And because we don't have an unlimited pot of gold the way like a Man City do, we can't just sign players on a whim. Every decision from signing players for five million, like a Fabio Carvalho, to signing players for 75 million, like Virgil, Every one of those is agonised over before we press the button. And this will be no different. Mate, I completely, completely agree. I think it's just positive that we've, we've moved on something when we've seen a gap. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and there's a lot of people saying, why have we signed him? Why haven't we got a midfielder? Well, the midfielder's coming too. You know, they're not stupid. Things are going to happen. I think if there's an easy deal to make and it's done, why are we complaining? The one thing that we always said is, why don't we get deals done quick? We've got one done real quick. Yeah. So yeah. I think all, everyone who's complaining, have a fucking look at yourself, man. What are you doing? There's definitely going to be room for this, a midfielder. We are. We cannot go on. We cannot get top four without another midfielder because our midfield will break. No, our midfield was problematic yesterday. I mean, they had there was a really yeah. good thirty-minute spell in the first half, but they were too easily played through at times. Um, so you know, and, and look, Fab had a really good game yesterday. I thought Henderson had a good first half, and then his legs really started to wear down in the second half. Thiago had a quieter game, but I thought he was still pretty good. Um, but we do need bodies in midfield, but. You know, this, I don't believe, will have any impact. We were looking for a forward player anyway. And we mm. were likely going to make that move in the summer. The reason we've done this now is because I would imagine we were a little bit concerned that Manchester United were going to buy him. And if he was the guy that we tagged as our first choice attacker to come in for the summer, 
and we were worried about United nabbing him this month, it makes sense for us to go and get him. If the because our budgets aren't decided at the beginning of the summer or at the beginning of January, they're planned out well in advance. So I'd imagine that this money was money that was just earmarked for the summer that we were going to use in the summer to go and get him. I think what we've done here is we've we've seen the noise around United. We've maybe spoken to the agent. The agents said, look, yeah, United are very interested and <clears throat> they're getting ready to make a move. And we've just jumped in. And that's the second attacker in six months that we've nicked from under their noses. Because remember, they offered more money for Darwin than we offered. And we've nicked him. And now we've nicked Gakpo. So that's always nice to take a player who your rivals were all in on. This was their top attacking target. And he's picked us. Um, I do think there'll be a midfielder. And the name that was given to me was Kefren Turam. Which we'd be happy with. Which we would be happy with. Now, I am told he's not the first-choice option. He is a backup option. Frankie de Jong's name is also out there. I think Frankie is probably an alternative to Enzo, if we think the Enzo deal can't be done. Um, but the, the, it seems like the primary target for this month is Moises Caicedo from Brighton. And he's the one we want to get in this month because Jude and Enzo aren't really available this month. Enzo sort of is if you pay his buyout, but I wouldn't be surprised if we've had conversations with Benfica Kaiseido and they've said... just sounds so expensive, dude. Like, he's going to be like 18 million or something. Is he, though? What? But is he, though? I because what, that, Brighton that Brighton guy, for, what Brighton player has gone for 80 million ever? Oh, yeah, no, but that Brighton guy is just crazy, isn't he, in terms of how he does his negotiations. No, He's a genius. I know, I know, he's a genius, but that's but he, crazy. It's not a genius for us. No, no, no. <laughs> well, you're missing the point. If he wants forty million for Caicedo, then of course mm. he's going to say eighty because he might get sixty. Like when he was first putting um, Cucurella on the market in the summer, he said he wanted seventy-five million. Mm. But it was well known that Brighton's actual asking price began at thirty-five. In the end, he got fifty-five. So, what do you think we're getting for? If we got him. I think we'd what, get, him we get him for 50 in add-ons. 50 in add-ons up to 60 or something. Up to 60, maybe. And I've spoken... See, to I think 50 million is something that's... Yeah, that's going rate of a young... I've spoken to a few... Because I, I used to... As you know, I used to go to Brighton Games quite regularly, and I still keep in touch with a lot of my friends from there. And one or two of them get decent in, information. Hmm. And they tell me that he has an agreement with the club when, from when he signed, that they wouldn't price him out of moves. If he told them that's the move I want, as long as they got a fair price for him, based on market value, that they'd accept it. So he has an agreement with Brighton. It's the, it's the reason he went there. It's the reason he turned down United and a couple of other clubs and went to Brighton was because he wanted a development step. He didn't want to go somewhere and be stuck on the bench. He wanted to go somewhere where he could play. That's why he picked Brighton. But he went to Brighton under the... And, like, remember, he's on pennies. He's one of the lowest-paid starters in the Premier League. He's on about three grand a week. The reason he took that deal to go there was because they made him a promise that if he developed the way they expected and the way he was confident that he would, that when time came to sell him, that they would not hold him ransom. They would not hold him out of the market. They would allow him to leave for a fair price. And there's two clubs that have real interest. One is us and one is Chelsea. 
yeah. Chelsea are not in the good books with Brighton. Oh, I agree. But the Chelsea only stole one thing that's manager, putting me off is that someone has come to me and said he wants Chelsea. I don't believe he does. I don't. That's the only does. issue. That someone someone said that to me that they're the front I don't runners. believe that's true. I believe. I believe they're putting two and two together and getting five because he played under Graham Potter. I think that's the only logical reason to make that assumption. There's been nothing else. And he's, and he's taken pictures in London a few times. So I think that's just somebody putting two and two together and getting five. I think he wants the best move for his career. And the best move for his career is not Chelsea. He's also not Chelsea's first choice. Declan Rice is Chelsea's first choice. And it's Declan Rice that they're going to push for in the summer. So I don't even know if he has the real option to go to Chelsea. But by all accounts, Brighton do not want to do business with Chelsea. Because they stole their manager. Yeah, that makes sense. And they stole two of the recruitment team. Without permission, by the way. Without permission. Stole two of the recruitment team. And they've been talking to Leandro Trossard without Brighton's permission. And what Chelsea didn't seem to realise is... Trossard is not out of contract in the summer. Brighton have an option to extend his deal. But Chelsea were trying to pull a fast one. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Brighton just said to Chelsea, no matter what, we're not doing business with you. We'll sell him elsewhere for less than you can offer. But there's been no mention of Chelsea looking at him in this window. None. Chelsea's entire midfield focus, by all accounts, is Declan Rice. That's the player they want. That's who Potter wants. It's who the owner wants. He wants... England's star boy in midfield and he knows he's not getting Jude so he wants Declan Rice and if anyone watched Declan Rice against Arsenal yesterday you would be very hesitant to pay a big fee for him but if you watch Caicedo at any point you'd be willing to pay whatever it takes that kid is really really good like different level good he's the one that makes all the sense for us you bring him in you shift Thiago from left side to right side and put Caicedo and Fab as a pair and allow Thiago more freedom. That gives you the defensive base that we used to have when we had Ginny, but better because Caicedo is a more natural defensive player than Ginny Wijnaldum. He's bigger and he's stronger. And I, I, I genuinely think we can get him for 50 and add-ons. I don't think Brighton will hold him to ransom. I don't think they're going to try and price him out of moves. I think they're very realistic about how they run their club. They'll try and get the best price they can. And the reason, remember as well, they were able to get a high price off Chelsea for Cucurella is because there was also interest from City. If Brighton are selling Caicedo and there's only one offer on the table, they don't have that leverage that they had on the Cucurella deal. And I don't think there is a second offer. I think it's us. There was only one offer from in the summer, remember, and it was from us. It wasn't from Chelsea. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, it'll be, uh, You know what? Nothing would make me happier. But I just think that if we do get Caicedo, it will be one of Jude Renzo after that. Yeah, I, my assumption would be if we buy Caicedo, we buy Jude or Enzo. It should be Enzo because he's the better player. And he'd be cheaper. A little bit cheaper, not a whole lot. But he's a better player. And then we go for a cheaper third. Whereas if we sign Turam... I think we can go and get Jude and Enzo. Yep. That's that why would I probably prefer, prefer to go that route. I'd rather get Caicedo, okay. Enzo, and like a Manu Kone 
or, you know, maybe Mason Mount, who's out of contract in 2024, shows no signs of being willing to stay. And based on all of Chelsea's transfer activity, they don't really have a plan for him. A, mi- a midfield three of Mount, Caicedo and Enzo, that would be absolutely perfect balance. I know I know Mount is not as potential-wise, he doesn't have the ceiling of Jude, but right now he's a better player than Jude Bellingham. He just is, because he's older, he's more experienced, he's more developed. I, I And Mason Mount is perfect for Klopp. Huge capacity for pressing, good tactical intelligence. I'd rather sign Mason Mount. I think you get him at a good price in the summer. If he's out, if he's out of contract in 2024, which I believe he is, just sign him for free then in 2024. <laughs> no, because then we're throwing away a season. Because who, who's your? Well, I suppose you could play Thiago for a year on the right side and you know rotate him at one or two. But I would look at at doing Mason Mount in the summer. So realistically, Chelsea will have to sell. Him. So that LFC approved account, by the way, is getting a lot right lately. Ajogo reporting Liverpool intensified contacts with Benfica today. That's today, five minutes ago, that tweet. Oh, for Enzo. Well, who else would there be a Benfica? Maybe, maybe we will just pay the buyers. Maybe <laughs> we will. I think our, our hope would be that we get to someone... Yeah, because I had someone else tell me that they were actually going for... It was going to be Enzo or Caicedo, plus Jude. So it would be one of those two, and Jude on top. So it wasn't going to be Jude or Enzo. That the idea was that it was going to be Caicedo or Enzo plus Jude. Does that make sense? That's the way the club are going it about away, it. But it. It doesn't from an on-pitch point of view because you still don't Well, because I think they're probably going for like a Tiram instead of a Caicedo, right? That's or, what or a Manu Kone. So yeah, you're not going to get any complaints. <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting Enzo and Jude, I mean, you're not getting any complaints from anybody. You've just got to yeah, because sure Enzo's more deep lying. Jude will be more forward, front foot type, you know. I mean, and, and so... Jude is a perfect fit. Like in a in a in a four four two, as a narrow right sided midfielder, the role Henderson tries to play, Jude would be a perfect fit, like a perfect fit. So would yeah. Mason Mount, but Jude would fit there like a glove. And then Diaz as the left winger a bit higher and a bit wider and then Enzo in a double pivot now the ideal partner for him in a double pivot would be Caicedo but Enzo and Manu Kone Enzo and Turam these are things that would work and you still have Fab and you still have Thiago so you're going to be in good shape regardless I just hope I just hope yeah. that's the reality of the situation and we're not being hoodwinked again and it's just not going to be nobody or something but there's always that fear with Liverpool um, but yeah I mean Tom James mentions Jacob Ramsey from Villa he'd be another good Jude alternative if we couldn't get Jude um, similar type of player less less of a high ceiling but you know a very good player and uh, definitely potential I, look we're looking at the right players. That's the main thing. Here's the the question now, though, is does Gakpo mean Bobby's off in the summer? Because I think it has to. I don't think you can carry Bobby as your sixth forward, given the wages that he's on. And, you know, you've got 
Arwen Moe, Diaz, Jota Gakpo, and then you've got the kids in Carvalho, Elliot, Oak, and Kate Gordon. I, 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 there's no real need to keep Bobby at that point. He doesn't offer us anything on a consistent basis that we're not getting elsewhere. And he injuries, the decline. Like I know he's had a good first half of the season, but now he's hurt, hurt and he had a good first half the last season and then was awful in the second half. So I think it's probably just time to say to Bobby, look, thanks, but over. I don't think he should be renewed. And I think it's a very, um, you know, it's a, it's a controversial opinion. I think the emotion has to be taken out of it though, from a business standpoint. I think the, you know, they've gone and signed a forward now. I think for six weeks, you know, for this six months, we're going to be okay. And I think next year with, um, you know, maybe in the summer, if there's another cheap young forward somewhere to add them to the mix, you know, that that's fine. But um, I think we should let him go. I think we should. Let him go. I think if we're going to re-sign someone on two hundred grand a week or hundred and eighty or hundred and seventy-five, but just don't think that's worth it. You know, I think that should be going towards the likes of a Caicedo, mm. an Enzo, or a Jude. That type of money. Uh, it needs to be going towards the players that we want to bring in, and. Um, and it gives gives us that, especially when you're losing a Cater who's on hundred plus, you're losing Ox who's on hundred and fifty plus. Um, you got a Milner on one twenty five ish. You got the him, you know, Firmino who was on near two hundred, probably one seven five. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money going out. You know, half a million a week is is being freed up for the likes of uh, a Jude and Enzo or Casado. And then on top, if you want to expand more, Dave, you've got so much leeway there for a couple more players, wages-wise, if you if there are a couple of freebies that are coming in. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's still talk that we really like Yusofa Makoko from Borussia Dortmund. There's talk that Klopp has met him. Um, and he's, and he's on a free, right? In, he's in, on a free, in, in, yeah. He's on a free so, in the summer. I mean, imagine if they that's he's signed... Do you get what I mean? That just doesn't. You don't need a Firmino then, right? I mean, it's no, sad to say, but we love. By the way, this is not Firmino hate. We love Firmino. We love yeah. everything that Firmino has done for Liverpool FC. Do not mix the two things up. You hate Firmino, so you want Firmino to leave. That's fucking stupidity. Nobody thinks like that. If you think like that, you're just fucking wound up wrong. No, we love him. We love everything he's achieved and what he's done for the football club. But the problem of where the squad is right now is because we continue to keep the players past their sell-by date continually. And if you want to fucking win things, we need to move some players on on high wages, bring in younger quality players to fucking go again. So stop this nonsense in making it out like, as if we hate players. We do not. We appreciate everything they've done. The fact is, we want this fucking club to succeed. That is all that matters. Not hanging on emotionally to every single thing all the time. Let go. Let go, man. Fucking move I mean, forward. They always say you should re- repeat your successes and learn from your errors. And we've made two notable errors with contracts in recent years in terms of players we've kept. In terms of Henderson and Milner, paying them a phenomenal amount of money to not be very good at football for the last couple of years. They should have been, Milner should have been let go after the title win. And Henderson shouldn't have been renewed and should be out of contract this summer. And we could renew him from that point for a year. Where else is he going to go? The fact that we've got him tied in for 200 grand for next season and the season after 
that's a mistake. It's been a painful year and a half so far under this contract. Can't make the same mistake again. Just can't make the same mistake again. And Bobby, Bobby has not been consistently good for across a season since the year we won the European Cup. If we're all being honest, he hasn't. He has big, long stretches where he just looks like he's been on the piss for a week before a game. He's he's getting hurt more and more. And like I, I if if he was willing to take a significant pay rise, like as in he takes a base wage of fifty grand and then he gets paid I don't know, an extra seventy five when he plays and maybe it's an extra seventy five if he starts, fifty if he comes off the bench, things like that. Then you could look at a deal and maybe say, Okay, for two years maybe that's worth doing, but not, not on anything like what he's currently earning. Like we, we don't have the resources to do it. And if we can go and get someone like Yusofa Makoka, Makoko to bring in, so you get Mo and him. He's the long term kind of successor to Mo and the short term backup. We have Darwin and Jota as our nines, and say Diaz and Gakpo are the left sided ones. Well, that all of a sudden is arguably the best attack in... I wouldn't even say arguably. That is the best attack in Europe in terms of options and depth. And potential. Wow. Because all of them, bar Mo, have levels to go up. And See, Mo the pace, is already though, one of once, the best The pace was frightening last night, wasn't it, from Darwin? The pace was just <laughs> frightening. If anyone wants to play high line, you're fucked with Mo and him. And then when Diaz comes back... He's he's really quick as well. So like it's just like we have so much in depth. I think Gapko, like you said, doesn't have the pace of those guys, but he's not slow. He's not no, slow at no, all. He's not slow at all, no. No, so that'll be good to have as well. I mean I think Jota I don't know about Makoku. Is he is he quick as well? Lightning. Absolutely. Oh fuck. <laughs> there you go. I think Jota will be the only can one. We, can we just very quickly talk and, and Jota's quick. Like he is quick over short distances. He's good with the ball at his feet more. I and think, so Gakpo, yes. and that's the thing. Like there, I would put their pace on a bit of similar level. They're quicker without or quicker with the ball. Like it's 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 one thing running without the ball, but to be able to run quickly with the ball is is a talent in itself. And and Gakpo yeah. and Jota can do that. And to be able to beat men while running at that pace is even more impressive. They're um, the two finishers as well, I think, in the squad. The two most natural finishers, I would say. Yeah. Um. So two things. Just on Darwin yesterday. Is this is this notion that he didn't play well yesterday because he missed some big chances? And you know, like that's fair enough if you're an imbecile and that's how you watch football. But look at everything else that he did. <laughs> look at the chaos he caused. Look at look at the hassle that he gave that defense. And you know, look He's at chaos. Like, he is. Look at things like the first touch though. Like, his first touch has improved dramatically from where it was in week one. Dramatically. His all-round game has improved dramatically since the summer from the really raw-looking fella who rocked up in preseason. Finishing will come. He's getting I, so many... He, I, he is an absolute chance machine. His all-round game right now is exactly where we want it to be. He is impacting the game in positive ways. And yes, you'd like him to start putting away those chances. I'll take him continually getting those chances. Yeah, I keep saying what the same we've thing. seen from Al- from him at Almeria and at Benfica that he can finish. It's a confidence thing. When we bought Suarez, Gags, 
you remember this, in his first 18 months at the club, he was infuriating. He was always offside. His finishing was an always abomination. The post. It was an abomination. Whenever he had too much time in his hands, he'd do that stupid finish with the outside of his right boot just to piss everybody off. <laughs> once he calmed down, once he settled in, once he got more used to his environment, once he, he realised... some worldies with that outside of the boot afterwards. <laughs> and once he started scoring, he never stopped scoring. No. He carried that on at Barcelona and he carried... And we knew it would come because we'd seen it at, at Ajax. And we've seen it with Darwin. We know he can score goals. We know yeah. he can finish. Look at the goals he got against us last season. Look at the goal he got against us at Anfield. Player who can't finish doesn't score that goal. I think he's. I think he's literally just a chaos merchant. They are. They are so afraid of him when he's anywhere near the box to shoot or to. You know. They, he. I, I think what it, what it is with him is it's just you're gonna get. What I love is, even if he's missing chances, his head doesn't go down. He's going to keep going. And that's one of the things where sometimes in Mo, you can see the game does sometimes piss him off a lot. But with with Darwin, he is just like, completely like, fuck this. I'm going again. I'm going again. I'm going again. I'm going again. He didn't score yesterday. And I get why some fans will get frustrated. But you can't ignore everything else. You just can't ignore. He was getting the chances. He's, somebody has got to be in some kind of, um, you know, mindset form to keep getting in the right position every time. Do you see how many runs he was making? Like, if you're not watching the ball, and you know when when the ball's in midfield and you can see the forwards and you can just see them in the corner of the camera or the or the shot where they're just making a run. There were so many times where we didn't play the ball because obviously it's not on or the player didn't see it, whatever. You probably saw loads of what we did pass through him and he was offside, but he is continually trying to make that run for us. And, you know, it, 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 a few and times, obviously, it, it came off. Like, he's doing it right up until the final whistle. Like, what was the Basisic goal last night? 83? 83 yeah. minutes. He's still making those runs. He still has that pace and that power. He's still doing it that late in games. And, like, he made that goal. He made that goal from nothing. So, like, he is impacting the game. Uh, the other thing is, there seems to be some creative re- rewriting of the career of Andrew, don't call me Andy Cole. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial, and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Ooh was compared to Darwin in the week and he clapped back at it. 
Andy Cole is one of the more overrated players in Premier League history. He was a dreadful finisher. He had a great season at Newcastle. United spent seven million on him. He single-handedly cost United not one but two league titles because his finishing was so poor. People used to joke that Robbie Fowler needed two chances to score one goal, and Andy Carroll needed Andy Cole needed seven chances to score one goal. He wasn't a great finisher, and his goal numbers at United are not good. No, sorry, they are good. They're not great. He's less than one and two in the league for United, and was seen as a flop until him and Dwight York had that amazing season in eighty-eight, in ninety-eight, ninety-nine, when they won the treble, and then again the following season when Cole did very well. He joined in 94-95. There was all kinds of jokes of, why does Eric Cantona have a dirty neck? Oh, he's been carrying coal for two years now. And things like that. I remember this. I remember this. I'm an old man. I remember this stuff. Bizarrely. Andy Cole was seen as a flop at United until him and Dwight York got together. Yep. He missed. Go and watch. If if you can find the game, last day of the season... United away to West Ham, 94-95 season. Liverpool are playing Blackburn at Anfield. Liverpool beat Blackburn. Which means all United need to do is beat West Ham and the league champions. And Andy Cole misses, no exaggeration, five built-edged opportunities in that game. Like, you couldn't miss them if you tried. Andy Cole was not a great finisher, nor was he a great player. He's not one of the 12 best strikers. Of the nine, Dwight York was the boy, though. Dwight York was better than him. Cantona was yeah. better than him. Sheringham was better than him. But I don't want to talk about United. I've got another couple of things for you before we go. So one, Harinda asked a question at the top. He can't listen in, but he's got a question in terms of could Gapko get ginnied in terms of taking a forward and putting him in midfield? Something that I think Newcastle currently have done with Joe Linton. Is it as well? Yeah. Is is that he, a possibility? Just if a question. We weren't signing Jude. I could mm. see it as a possibility. I could see it. I could see him playing as as an attacking eight. I could see him playing on the right hand side in that four four two as like a narrow inside to outside type of player because the way he crosses the ball leads me to believe he can pass a ball pass a ball quite well over distance. It's not something he does regularly, but you will see him ping the odd cross field ball. Ability to put a corner or free kick pretty much wherever he wants it will translate into being able to pass from that channel on a regular basis. He is he is a hardworking player. Um, he's not great defensively, but he's not he's not a complete void. Like he doesn't just stand and watch. He will he will do his part. He's not a great presser. Is I think you know a, a big issue for some people, but. Hasn't hasn't really been asked to do it. Like Roger Schmidt didn't ask him to press all that much. So I I don't know. We'll see when he arrives what he's capable of. But the fact that he's played <laughs> so, under Roger Schmidt, the fact that he's played under Louis Van Hal, they've both loved him. And they are players that they are managers that demand a lot out of players off the ball. I do think that's a positive sign. I could see him definitely playing in midfield on the right in the role that Henderson tries to play. But if we're signing Jude, then that role is Jude's. So it, it, it's 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 definitely something we could look at if we missed out on Jude. But if, assuming we get Jude, 
And even if we don't get Jude, I assume there'll be a plan B to Jude. I, I don't think it will happen, but it certainly could. It is, it's definitely a possibility. So I, I have one last thing before we go to talk about, and that's this post that I've put into the chat. Mark Ogden has just, tweet, has just tweeted a story. <laughs> Cody Gapko <laughs> slash good news or bad news for Darwin Nunes. <laughs> this guy does my head in. I can't abide Mark Ogden. And for those that don't know, here's a little bit of a here's a little bit of a history lesson on Mark Ogden. So in the summer of 2013, Alex Ferguson resigns as Manchester United manager and David Moyes takes over. And Mark Ogden becomes like chief ass kisser of David Moyes and gets properly into Moyes' good books. Moyes thinks he has someone he can trust in the media in Mark Ogden. And Ogden writes some fluff pieces about him and he's very, very, you know, um, very much in favour of Moyes. And uh, you know, he, everything Moyes does, Ogden amplifies. Everything good, Ogden amplifies. He's changing the recruitment and Ogden writes this piece about the recruitment. He writes a piece about, you know, the training methods and how he's taking from Ferguson but also bringing in his own methods and all this. And he's very, very complimentary of Mark Ogden. Up until the point, or of Moyes rather, up until the point that Moyes gets sacked. And who is the first journalist to write a hatchet piece, open up his notebook and slander David Moyes? It's Mark Ogden. Absolutely knifed Moyes in the back the minute he was out the door. In one of the more horrendous pieces of journalism I've ever read. Having kissed his arse solidly for eight months, he ruined David Moyes. I believe, I believe he did damage to David Moyes' career because I think for a while clubs were very hesitant to consider Moyes. And that's why he ended up at like Sunderland and at Real Sausage. He did to leave the country to go and get a job. Because Ogden's piece was such a hatchet piece and contained... Details that he'd clearly gotten directly from Moyes, where Moyes was bouncing thoughts off people. Like, what would you think of this? Do you think, what, what do you think of this idea? And it was just one of the more horrendous things I've seen. So that's who Mark Ogden is. Yeah, he's Ashton and Ogden's two peas in a pod, isn't it, really? Two, two fucking scumbags. Um, yeah. So th- this, piece is, this piece is nonsense. I mean, for starters, Darwin and Gakpo are different players. Just because United... <laughs> Wanted both. <laughs> wanted both and wanted Gakpo in maybe as a backup plan to Darwin. Gakpo's not a nine. Now he could develop into that area. You could you could make that transition with him. But it's not gonna have any impact. This is really good news for Darwin. This is a player who plays well off a striker. This is a player who is a really good crosser of the ball, which you know, Darwin's really good at attacking the ball and on the end of good quality delivery he's going to I think become our best corner taker I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes our regular mm. corner taker very good at set pieces yeah I, I think I'm not even going to read this because Mark Ogden no. is a dickhead <laughs> he's just a dickhead and and I wouldn't if he like he's literally the type of guy if he told me it was raining outside I'd go out and check myself I wouldn't even just look and check I'd have to go out and check I wouldn't believe a word that comes out of his mouth. He doesn't understand football at all. 
he's the type of guy that probably became a journalist, get free tickets to go to games. And he's not a particularly good writer. And the reason he writes for ESPN now is because no, no main national paper will hire him anymore after what he did to David Moyes. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. Um, well, back to Gapco before we go. Final words, really. Um, Sam Maguire just reached out to me and said he's had it on good authority that our data nerds like Gapco in 2020, Dave, just like you were saying. So, you know, uh, also... Just when we signed, which is when we signed Jota. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So then also what Grizz said about Barry Hunter makes sense as well. So, you know, it's it, that that all they all kind of piece that together, that this is a long-standing like... And uh, Pep obviously loves him too, which has probably pushed it over the line, which is what I think is how it's working at the moment anyway. But um, his underlying numbers, I think Sam was saying as well, that weren't that great then, but I think the improvement's been massive in that time. And I think... Yeah, um, he's, he's, he's now 23 pushing 24 as opposed to 20 pushing 21. Hmm. So he's he's matured, he's grown, he's developed, he's put in the work on the training ground and in the in the in the classroom. So yeah, yeah. Romano's now saying his six-year deal's almost close to being done. Or is done now. He's going to sign for six years at Liverpool and all this. Well, first of all, he's not. He's going to sign a five and a half-year contract because it's the middle of a season for Britain. Exactly. Same fella tweeted, <laughs> I believe, yesterday morning that Jack, <laughs> you know, was locked in on going to Manchester United. Oh. Um, he's, he, this guy is just a spoofer. Yeah, like, we had to mention Spoofer. We just had to mention the Spoofer before he went because he's so wrong on everything. And he's really... Romano is just, you know, playing with Man United fans right now and their clicks. He, that's what he's yeah. doing. He's got them that's on strings. He, like, when, when people... See, the thing is, right, people look at Romano and they say, oh, he's got 13 million followers. He must be really respected. No, he's not. People follow him because he has followers. He grew those followers telling lies to Manchester United fans for an entire summer 2020 about Jadon Sancho going to United when no negotiations took place. None. United inquired, Dortmund told them what they wanted and United never went back. Those conversations ended in June. Mano was still pushing podcasts about Sancho to United on deadline day. Two and a half months later. The guy is a spoofer. If Romano... If, look, right, ESPN, their whole thing is about breaking news. And they pay Adam Schefter about $7 million a year and Adrian Wojnarowski about $5 million a year, or it could be 9 and 7 They pay them to break news about the NFL and NBA. If Fabrizio Romano was seen within the journalism industry as the breaker of news, not just by the, the small-time journalist who kisses arse to try and get a bit of clout and get a bit of, shout, of a shout-out and getting his good graces, because we know he'll bury people's careers because he's done it before because he's a bully. If Romano was what people think he is, ESPN will be paying him three or four million quid a year to break news, because that's their whole business model. He works for Caught Offside. The Guardian binned him off. He works for caught offside, lads. That's where he is. That's who he works for. The guy's a spoofer. He's always been a spoofer. The first thing he ever did that got him attention was he published an interview with Wes Schneider 
on his Facebook page. The problem was he never met Wes Schneider. He never spoke to Wes Schneider. He invented the whole interview. Inter Milan had to ask him take the interview down because he lied and made it up. That's who he is. He's a liar and a spoofer. He's wrong about this. It's a five and a half year deal. It's not a six year deal because if it was a six year deal, he'd be out of contract in January of 2029 and we'd be losing a player mid-season for nothing. So he's he's a fool. Ignore everything he says. He's just trying to get clicks. Yesterday he tweeted that uh, Liverpool were, or that he, Gakpo was going to United. That was yesterday. So just ignore him. He, he's a fool. Um, yeah, completely agreed on that one. Fucking abide the fella. Um, <sighs> but yeah, right. I mean, okay. look, it's, it's a good, good day. Good it's a good day. We won yesterday. It's a good win. We've gotten a player signed. I can understand why people have some. Some hesitancy. I can understand why little people are confused. Some people are a little bit confused about. But I think if everybody sits down and just does even even forty five minutes on YouTube, just watch just watch and play. And look, obviously YouTube comps are made to make a player look good. Just look at his look at things like how he strikes the ball. Look at things like how he carries the ball. Look at the strengths that it shows. The weaknesses, forget about them for now. But look at what he does well. And you can start to picture him. And then if you, if you do have access to Scout, go and look at him there. And look at things like his, his carries in transition and stuff like that. Or even just his set-piece delivery. Just watch his set-piece. And look how consistent and how repetitive that striking motion is. It's the same follow-through every single time. It's really natural. And it's really, really good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in on Gakpo. That's really good to hear. Really positive as well. I think um, <clears throat> I think I'm also convinced by it. I think I've read a couple of things there. Watched uh, a lot of videos as well myself last night. Obviously, only YouTube, so nothing that's a proper scouty type. But the two-footedness of him really did convince me. Uh, being able to cross on either foot, being able to shoot on either foot, and therefore uh, being able to go around the outside or cut inside on that left side, which we, we've missed since Mane moved away from the left, is going to be interesting to see. And I think that's going to really suit Nunes a lot, and it's going to help him a lot. So Mark Ogden, yeah, you're going to have to get in the bin with that, mate, because um, kind of... You, you just, just get in no the ball. bin permanently, Mark Ogden. Just get yeah, in the bin yeah. and go away and bring Romano with you. Uh, ten... Yeah. <laughs> 10.27 yesterday morning. Cody Gakpo hasn't changed his mind on Manchester United. He was keen on joining last summer, and this is still the case. Discuss- discussions with his agents have always been positive. On United now, time to decide internally about 55 to 60 million investment. Wrong club, wrong price. Yeah, I mean, they are fuming just because the price is so low as well. And they've been quoted 50 million. The oh, I Mark, think there's a Man United. Mark Goldbridge last night having an app. There's a Man United premium, mate. There's a Man United premium. I think stupid. it's not actually any other club yet. There's just a United it's, premium. This club spent 55 million on a garden gnome and 80 million on a fidget spinner in the summer. They're, they're crying <laughs> that they haven't bought him. Spent all your money in the summer. Spent 55 million on a garden gnome. You're still trying to gas him up and make out that he's been good when he's been ruined multiple times. Then you spent eighty million on a fellow whose most notable thing is spinning in a circle. He's just sticking his foot out. He's just sticking his foot out and going side to side. That's it. 
He should be a dancer, not a fo- not a football player. Useless <laughs> ballerina. Yeah, he's like one of them ballerinas where you pop the thing up and they go around in a circle. And it makes noise. It makes a little plays a little tune. You know, those, little, those little music boxes that girls used to have. Oh, no. Somebody needs to make that video. Oh, him. That's a job for Harinder. Someone opens one of them and there's just a little little Anthony in it, and just around and around in a circle. To that's so funny. That is so funny, man. We would really need... Harinder, get on that one. That's your job. Yeah, when he, when he listens to this, that's that's a really good piss take when he fucks up or something, someone to tweet that. But I think um, I think that's the other thing in, in football is um, a lot of people, a lot of fans are affected by the banter era on, on, on Twitter. I think you need to condition your mind not to let you, yourself get affected by it. I think, obviously, the problem is then WhatsApp groups with your mates and stuff, people start sending these memes around. Just just, just take it on the chin because you do it to everybody, you know, you're dishing it out. You've got to take it. You've got to take it as well. So if you're dishing it out to players and to your mates when their players are shit or doing something, if they if they find something against your own, don't take it too personally and don't take it too, uh, too harshly at the end of the day. It's it. That's what's going to happen if you're going to dish it. You got to take it. So I think what then happens is it turns into their judgment in football, and it go and changes the way they think about a player, just because of the banter that's going. And I don't think we should be doing that. I think we should be smarter than that, especially if you're listening to these pods on AI Pro. You should be much smarter than than letting banter get to you and worrying about what someone's going to say about a player. Watch the game, see how yeah, he's doing. Also, if, you know, if you're yeah. listening to this. Listen to AI Pro, it means you're a Liverpool fan, which automatically makes you smarter than people who are Manchester United fans. So, like, you know, it's <laughs> always a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> I, like, don't let it... that. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be stronger than letting banter get to you, for sure. And you have to also be a bit more mindful that if you're dishing it, mate, you're always going to get it. There's no way that you... I think the, the unbearable era was a one-off where we just dished and dished and dished. Uh, but it, it came back to hit us the next year when we really went to shit with all the injuries. So, you know, you've got to learn your lessons. Learn your lessons. but Or just be able to take the, the hits. And remember, you're going to build, build in a team of giants, and if you don't like it, they'll send them around to your house, and they'll kick the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so just settle down a bit. Oh, you think that's one thing I'm looking forward to, is not having a, a short team. You know, um, a, a taller team. It's Only be... two short players that are acceptable are Mo and Thiago. Yeah, everybody else needs to be a giant of a human being. That's that's what we want. Robbo as well. Robbo's pretty short, but he's got he's got bags and bags of gnarl and bastardry about him. Pace and gnarl. Yeah, yeah. it's just a needly little shite bag. So yeah, that's fine. Gotta have that. You gotta have that. All the rest of them in your team. People who's coming back. He's a giant. Virgil's a giant. Dude's a big, big boy when he arrives. Fab is a is a big lump. Um. <laughs> Darwin's and Fab's a, gnarly as well, you know. He's plenty of gnarl about him, don't you yeah. worry. Fab one last thing yeah. before we go. Yeah, I keep saying one last well, thing. Well, he's 6'4 as well. Yeah. From Turin, 6'4, so don't sleep on that boy either. One last thing, Doak. What do you think of Doak? And Doak, a.k.a. Luca Dina's daddy. Um, <laughs> he's just like, for a, for, a, for a kid to come on at Villa Park, one of the biggest stadiums in England, and take a 46 or 47 time capped French international absolutely ruin him like that. It's just rude. It's rude. It's disrespectful, and I'm here for every bit of it. Can we also point out that Stefan Basatic, that first touch for that goal, that calmness, score that goal, 
to take that touch and just clip it around the goalkeeper. We have senior midfielders who couldn't do that. That kid did it with, without even blinking. And I know it, uh, somebody sent it to me because I, I don't do TikTok because I'm a grown man. Somebody sent me the clip. He put it up on his own TikTok and said, greatest moment of my life. I mean, you have to just get on board with that. But yeah, Ben Doak was really sensational when he came on. Fantastic. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for your time as well this holiday period. I know, well, we just finished. This is the official back, uh, Boxing Day, no, Christmas Day bank holiday um, in the UK. Is that the same on your side as well in Ireland? Yes, yes. Yesterday yes. was St. Stephen's so Day because we're not heathens. So, so yesterday was St. Stephen's <laughs> Day. And uh, today is the, is the bank holiday. So yeah, there's, there's no work. So yeah, there. well... Merry Christmas to you since we're celebrating the bank holiday for Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all your listeners as well. Hope you've had a really good holiday break. I think with Liverpool winning and signing a player, you have to admit that's probably one of the better holidays. Um, 2017, obviously, nobody can rival. You know what's great? So everybody sat there expecting that the um, embargoed news to come out Christmas night was going to be something. And all it was was Jürgen's thoughts on Jude Bellingham. (laughs) And everybody was sitting there, you had all these lads on Twitter crying, oh, that's not all it was, we waited all day for that. And then the next day we signed a player. Good lads, sit down and shut up. Yeah, superb, superb. But it, it was only 24 hours later that we, <laughs> we ended up signing someone. So amazing. Take but Dave, once again, line them up. absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. I think we, we, we I'm hoping... That before we go back to work next Tuesday, or at least I go back to work next Tuesday, we maybe sign one over the New Year break as well. That would be very nice. Nice to get um, them both in and both done early. It really would. And then the exactly, and then on, yeah, if it's if it's like cause if it's Caicedo or Taram or whoever for, to be done early, okay, done early before before the teams go back. You know, so, I, su- I suppose in Europe, tell them early as well because they won't have time to go and replace them. So yeah, exactly. Everybody's interested to sense. get that deal done early. That's why that's why PSV have done this now. It gives them all of January now to go and find the right replacement. They'll have their list, obviously. They'll have targets. This gives them time to get a deal done. So this is positive on on all counts. Completely agree. I completely agree. Okay. Um, that is everything for me today. I'm like I said. Hopefully, we get back together again, and we can do um, another one on a midfielder that joins. Fingers crossed. And even if it's not, um, you know, right at the start of or in this holiday period, if it's just next week, we've got. I think there's an FA Cup game weekend coming up at some point. We can always talk around there or something like that. But let's see what happens. But uh, lovely to speak to you again. Thank you guys for interacting and and the audience today. We appreciate it. Thank you for supporting AI Pro as well. I know I'm not around as much. I've been very busy. It's been a mad um, <clears throat> three four months for me at work, but it's been rewarding don't worry i've been working my ass off but it's been rewarding for me personally this has been best time in my professional career i think so uh, things are going good things are going well i might be away but it's all positive and uh it's ai pros in good hands with the likes of dave trev carl whoever else is on all the up lads as well the up lads as well so it's all doing the irish boys and match it and Guy, and Guy, of course. Mr. Drinkle. But yeah, really do appreciate your support. Keep it going. Uh, January's going to be busy, obviously, in Discord. So if you're not on it, make sure you're in it. Uh, come into the Liverpool 
chat and let me know that you're a subscriber. We'll give you access and we'll discuss transfers all January. Let's hope there's a few pre uh, summer pre summer deals done as well. Fingers crossed there. So um, I think it's exciting times, and um, let's hope we sell the club very very soon so we can get something sorted for the future as well in terms of where the club's going. I think that's a uh, that's another thing that I think all Liverpool fans want for 2023. So we're ending 22, uh, three wins in a row. Let's hope we can make it four before we end and then <clears throat> really positive end to 2022 for Liverpool and uh, going into 2023 with um, signs that we can turn around this horrific last couple, last quarter, really. The last quarter has been terrible, but uh, let's hope we can turn it around and... Um, really go in with, with a bang. And I don't think there's many Premier League games in Jan. I think it's all shitty cups, or a lot of shitty cup stuff. So, yeah, I think we need to focus on the Premier League. If we can go into a run of six, seven wins, eight wins, I think that table's going to look very, very different. But, uh, yeah, once again, thank you, everyone. Have a great holiday period, and a happy new year if I don't speak to you. Uh, till then, I have a feeling I will. Catch you later. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.